enough to get a job, not gonna rob a bank, not gonna win the lottery. Welcome back to Shots Fired. My name is Jacob Shots. It's Tuesday, January 17th, and I still don't have a real job, for better or for worse. Your tweet your tweet for today comes from at NLTM underscore on Twitter. In the style of a YouTube video title, your friend tells you Mew is under the truck outside of Vermilion City, asthma. That's going to be like a really solid joke to a good percentage of you, and for some folks who get maybe half the words in that, it's going to be completely unintelligible. I'm proud to admit that I have a first listen of 2017, now three weeks into 2017. <laughs> As a refresher, last year I set an unattainable goal of albums to listen to for the first time. So this year I'm setting a much more attainable goal of 50 albums outside of the ones that I'm listening to for my other show, Album Club 500. Just yesterday I listened to the exciting Wilson Pickett. Wilson Pickett is an R&B slash pop slash blues artist from the 1960s. And I was looking at my Spotify Daily Mix, which has been an enormous help for finding new music that is still relatively similar to the stuff that I like to listen to. And I was looking for something that could wash the taste of the last two albums that we listened to for Album Club 500 out of my ears. Because it's... Oh, I have a really good episode for you on that side. But I had some harsh things to say about at least one of the albums. But not this one. The Exciting Wilson Pickett is amazing. It's 12 tracks that clock in right at half an hour for total runtime, which is brisk and great, and the longest track on the album is three minutes long. The stuff is super radio-friendly, and it shows because it gave Wilson Pickett four number one hits, or at the very least, two number one hits and two other strong radio hits. The two that show up on this album as number ones, tracks one and seven, respectively. Land of a Thousand Dances, which you might not recognize by the title, but you will recognize. Na 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 Because everybody who has ears has heard this song. And the other one, which you may not have heard of, but I definitely heard a lot when I was a kid, was In the Midnight Hour. I'm gonna wait till the midnight hour. My voice is nowhere near as strong as his is, because that's the other thing that I noticed about this album, besides the great hits and just strong tunes overall. Dude has an amazing amount of emotional range to his voice. There's so much energy coming through on every single one of these songs, and he makes the most of the short time that he has for every track. And I point out the number ones, but basically every track on this is a hit. Every track on this goes as hard as it needs to. It's successfully executed. It's well-written. It's well-performed. It's just a great album. And one of the other cool things that this album is helping me do is figure out other stuff in the same genre to go listen to. Because I went to look up information about this album, and on a lot of the tracks, one of the writing credits was Steve Cropper, who has showed up multiple times already on Album Club 500, and also has been a favorite of mine from his work with the Blues Brothers Band. So now I really have to go and listen to either some of his solo stuff or some of the other stuff that he did with Booker T and the MGs. Overall, I'm having a great time learning about other kinds of music that I know that I'm going to enjoy. So go find the exciting Wilson Pickett if this sounds up your alley. And at the very least, go try Spotify and Spotify's Daily Mix to find stuff that you will like based on music that you already enjoy. Next up, I have your magic card art for today. Your magic card art for today is Arena, with art by Rob Alexander. This card in particular is a little bit weird, so I'll give you just a very abbreviated backstory of it. 
Nowadays, when you want to get information about Magic the Gathering story, you go to their website, and they have mostly weekly stories. Every Wednesday, they post a new piece of official Magic story, and that's where you can keep up with an ongoing storyline following many of the major Magic characters, Planeswalkers. Arena was a promotional card with the first time they tried to do an official Magic story, a novel also entitled Arena. And I read the description of the plot synopsis for Arena, and I got maybe, like, two words that I recognized. <laughs> the funny thing about Arena as a novel is that it does the kind of thing that a lot of card games tried to do when they made official stories, which is summarize the events of the game, like an actual round of the tabletop game being played, and then build a plot based around that. Now, this isn't the worst idea for magic. Magic is already kind of built around the idea that you are a planeswalker, a wizard that can cast magic spells, and that you're fighting another planeswalker drawing energy from the land and using that to power your spells, and if you power your spells correctly, you can defeat your opponent. Where Arena kind of goes wrong, and where a lot of these tabletop properties go wrong, is that they build the culture and the society around this act of dueling. In the story of Arena, there is an arena where mages duel against each other in a very similar way to the card game. When, when you're playing the card game, you're not really picturing yourself in an arena, you're picturing yourself in one of the lands that you're playing, or like being a wizard happening to fight another wizard. If you build an arena in the story, then it adds another layer of pretense onto the game that you're trying to play. <laughs> I don't know, I'm probably overthinking it. The card art for Arena, though, is really wild, and if you do go look this up, there's a newer printing from a set called Time Spiral, which is the first time that this was actually printed in a real magic set. Go find the original promo art for it, because the Time Spiral art tries to enhance the color a little bit, and I feel like that almost takes something away from the image. The art for Arena depicts a wyvern, or some other kind of proto-dragon, not a four-limbed beast, but a two-limbed beast with wings and a long tail, fighting what I must assume is a giant, with a big axe swing overhead, and all of this is taking place in an arena, go figure, that has a sigil or some other kind of glyph that is underneath both of these combatants, and then smoke rising around the back of the giant in a huge cloud. I gotta say, for as gimmicky as the story is, and as played out or unnecessary as the idea of an arena is, this art is actually kind of badass. The scaling looks really good. I think the clouds to make the giant pop into the foreground were a very nice touch. Both of these look suitably mythical, despite being not really coded in magic. There's no energy that's flowing around the scene, but both of these look like constructs to a certain extent. And the textures all feel really good. The juxtaposition of the fluffy clouds and the billowing smoke are really, really contrasted by the smooth, polished surface of the arena with the glyph on it. And everything's just framed kind of nicely. You can even kind of get the communication of one creature attacking and the other one blocking, so that the action isn't muddled in this relatively simple shot. The giant is definitely on the offense with the axe being pulled overhead, and the wyvern is kind of in a ready-to-dodge position, trying to figure out exactly where this giant's gonna hit him. And the reason that I say go look for the original promo version and not the recolored version is because the original promo version has really simple, really washed out, and realistic is an improper term for it, but it feels more natural. 
It's got a cooler palette overall, and the remastered version is a lot warmer and trying to be more energetic, but I like the cooler, subtler effect, especially with the clouds in the original promo image. Everything about this image combines to make a unique piece of land art, and that is why I've chosen Arena by Rob Alexander to be your magic card art for today. Next up, I've actually started watching a TV show again, but I mean, it's on Netflix, so it doesn't really count. I don't have a segment for TV shows yet, so I'm just gonna talk about it. The show is Leverage. After watching the first couple episodes of Leverage, I have described to my friends that this is the best adaptation of the concept of Suicide Squad by DC Comics that I've ever seen in my life. Suicide Squad is a bunch of comic book villains being brought together to turn into a government task force, and they all have to work together and learn to get along. Leverage is about a bunch of thieves who all come together and work for the common good. The pilot episode has a detective being commissioned to work with all of these thieves to commit a crime, and there's all sorts of complications that come in with that, but there are things about the way that the Leverage team works that get me more engaged than this concept has before. The first is that all tension on the team comes from external sources. If there's a conflict between any of the individual team members, it's mostly from the idea that one of them is getting too erratic, too emotional, too distracted, and the other ones, instead of saying, hey, stick to the plan, they go, hey, are you doing all right? What's wrong? Like, how can I help you out with this? How can I reassure you? There's never any doubt that everybody on this team is here for a reason. That's just heartwarming. That feels better than the constant internal power struggle that another team like this might have. All of the characters are on the same side, even when they're not sure whether that side is doing the right thing or not. Also, the main team of five people with particular sets of skills, every single character among them is really compelling. You've got Nate, the detective that has to wrangle all of these conflicting personalities. Sophie, an actor who is only really good at acting when she's trying to get something out of people. Parker, greatest thief in the world. At the very least, greatest cat burglar in the world. Hardison, the computer hacker with a sense of style. And Elliot, who is kind of the muscle, but also has his moments of really smoothly de-escalating a situation. It's not, we need him to break down a door, or we need him to take out these guys, it's, we need him to dismantle this situation so that we can go into the negotiation process. They all have a bunch of really cute character moments with each other, which is nice, and the entire show is built around these serious situations with high stakes that, when the leverage team gets put into them, they're so competent that it goes from being straight action to a slice of comedy alongside it. If these guys were any worse at their jobs or worse with each other, then the driving motivation of these plots would be, oh, can they pull it off? And the driving motivation of these plots doesn't end up being, can they pull it off? It's, how do they do it? What's the next trick? What are the new complications that are going to be introduced into the plot? And how do they adapt to it? All of the team's concerns are treated as valid, all of the team's emotional responses are treated as valid, and the only source of conflict is from external forces and people who really, really deserve to get stolen from. There are five seasons of this on Netflix, so go and check out at least the pilot and the first couple episodes after that, because I know that I am already hooked. If this sounds up your alley, go check out Leverage. And lastly, I have your Twitter good follow for today. Your Twitter good follow is at 
RealGDT on Twitter. This is the Twitter account of Guillermo del Toro, one of my favorite filmmakers because of his unapologetic sense of stylism. Del Toro is the genius behind Pan's Labyrinth, the Hellboy movies, and one of my favorite movies of all time that I admit is not one of the best movies of all time, Pacific Rim. The thing that I love the most about Del Toro and his Twitter account is that he is so enthused about every movie that he makes. When he's advertising for his work, it's not just, hey, I need to make a buck. It's, I love everybody that was a part of making this movie. I love this movie and I love everybody who is enjoying this movie as much as I am. And it's so, so nice to see. He's like a big cuddly teddy bear. He also retweets a lot of fan work, fan art, and just, you see so many cool things coming from this guy in celebration of the work that he's made. It also helps that he's just in general pretty socially aware. All of the sources of non- media things, like stuff that's not about his movies, is also completely welcome. So if you're a fan of his work like I am, and you haven't followed him already because he's got like 500,000 Twitter followers, but hey, it's my show, go check out at RealGDT on Twitter. And folks, that's just about going to do us for today. If you want to hear more episodes of the show, you can go to opalnebula.com. New episodes drop Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. And if you want to keep up with me, you can find me on Twitter. It's at Frogger, spelled P-H-R-A-W-G-E-R. Shots Fire and Steve's song is Aged, A-G-E-D, written by Rand Velavia and Adam English, and performed by Ukla the Mock. It's off the album Less Than Art, which was one of the first listens of 2016 that I had. It's a great album. You should definitely go check it out. Those guys are fantastic. And I was just thinking about one of their other songs today, because I saw a tweet or some missive by the Marvel Comics Company that was talking about Kang War 3, referencing Kang the Conqueror and how Kang Wars 4 and 5 were going to be out soon with time travel and Kang the Conqueror being all these different characters. And they have a song on their album Versus Evil that is about how every single character and, yes, person in the world is Kang the Conqueror. That's off of Versus Evil. You should check that out as well. But definitely go check out Less Than Art, which has our theme song, Aged. Once again, Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you on Thursday. You are